Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get started, I just have a few short messages. First off, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow and help me get on bigger and better guests. Also, don't forget you can pre-order my book, To the Moon, The GameStop Saga, right now by following the links in the description below. We've also got a few quick sponsors for the show today. The Growth Manifesto podcast is Australia's leading business, marketing, tech, and entrepreneurship podcast. I've often said that great guests make great podcasts, and this is never more true than with the Growth Manifesto podcast. They've done an incredible amount of in-depth interviews, some of which I'd like to highlight here for you. First off, Jay Abrams. He's a legend of the marketing world. He's helped more than 10,000 clients in more than a thousand industries, solve complex problems and drive significant growth. His clients include Tony Robbins, Microsoft and HBO. So if you're struggling to sell yourself or your business, then this is the podcast for you. But that is just one episode. They've covered why blockchain technology will change the world with Tim Draper, a leader in the cryptocurrency space, AI and automation with Pascal Bournet, the author of Intelligent Automation, And for all of the Wolf of Wall Street fans out there, they did an episode with Jordan Belfort himself on sales and closing. Say what you will about the questionable business practices or his previous love of shoveling illegal substances up his nose, the man knows how to sell. You'll get the Growth Manifesto podcast wherever you find your podcasts or by following the link in the description below. That's the Growth Manifesto podcast, Australia's leading business, marketing, tech and entrepreneurship podcast. Cryptocurrencies are all the rage these days. Over 100 million people now own cryptocurrency. Some for the memes, some for the long-term value, and some for the underlying technology. But there hasn't been a coin or token that has emerged yet that truly replaces cash or currency. This is where Dash comes in. Dash is digital cash, a user-focused cryptocurrency which you can spend anywhere, anytime, and any amount for fees less than one cent. With hashtag Dash Direct, people can spend their Dash at over 155,000 major US retailers and get a discount and money back into their Dash wallet. No banks, no fiat, just pure crypto with an average saving of 5%. Anyone can participate in the network and Dash is widely available for purchase around the world. The ingenious masternode network means sending any sum of money around the world is as simple as tapping your phone at your local grocery store. So you can say goodbye to slow transactions, complex international account numbers and high transaction fees. Dash gives you the freedom to move your money any way you want. Grab a coffee, split a cheque or pay your phone bill. Dash moves money anywhere to anyone instantly for less than a cent. One of the most overlooked aspects of running a podcast is who you host with. You might think it doesn't matter, as I did for quite a while, but it's really crucial to pick a host that is not only going to be reliable, but one that is going to help your show grow and evolve. That's why today's sponsor is Disctopia, what they call podcasters paradise. Whether you're starting a new podcast or need to migrate one over from another host, you have found the best podcast hosting solution period. With more features and flexibility than any other platform, from unlimited storage and uploads to multiple networks, Disctopia has it all. With Disctopia, you'll get a podcast profile page, 
the ability to manage multiple episodes and an embeddable episode web player, all on a secure site. You can even have private or exclusive episodes, which you'll get paid for, and your podcast will be distributed everywhere via RSS feeds. Your listeners will get unlimited downloads, you'll get access to unique listener reports, and their analytics are second to none. And on top of all of that, you get 24-7 world-class customer support. Dystopia will give you creative freedom for all your podcasts with integrated merch as well. That's right, just upload it all in one place and you can set your content to be downloadable or even stream only. Dystopia gives podcasters more power. So what are you waiting for? Start today by using our code CHATTER, that's C-H-A-T-T-E-R, to get your first three months free on us. That's a special code for listeners of this podcast. Three months of free hosting by using the code CHATTER. Check out Dystopia today. Links for everything will be in the description below. So check them out and then please enjoy the podcast. Okay, I believe we are live. Awesome. So welcome to the show, man. Am I allowed to use your name? Do you mind if I... Uh, you just call me James. Okay. Uh, well, James... Yes, go ahead. Welcome to the show, man. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, welcome everyone that's watching. Thanks for tuning in. This should be a, a very, very fun episode. Um, and yeah, as we were discussing before, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that are addressed in, in your film, um, which I would widely encourage anyone to go and watch, especially with a huge blunt in their hand. It's <laughs> a very blunt-friendly movie. <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of- you are. No, no, uh, no breaking local laws, but uh, I'm in California. And uh, one thing California does right is the weed. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. But yeah, so a lot of the things that you talk about in your film are, are both like really, really far out there, but also based in like a lot of things that, you know, are conceivably quite accurate as well at the same time. So uh, this this should be a fun one. We're going to get to aliens, Antarctica. Um, but I mean, I guess my first question actually so we were talking about this before we started is that all of the disclosure um that we've seen like people like uh commander david fravor and all of the sort of all of the stuff that's come out basically as a result of of the last sort of five years the pentagon uh, leaks the the new york times articles um things like that they've all been people being like well you know these are these crazy craft that we don't know uh what they are and my initial reaction was Wow. Okay, this is disclosure. Why is no one freaking out? But um, I've become like I've seen some people talking about that this is like a U.S. military flexing how powerful they are um, and showing like how far ahead their tech is. Like, yeah. What do you what What has been your opinion on all of the the disclosure we've seen? Well, well, it's kind of interesting how it all just landed with a thud. Like uh, the, the you got the military, the Pentagon, uh, certain. Uh, members of Congress saying there's stuff out there we don't explain and nobody could give less than two shits about it really. And I think intuitively people kind of know it's bullshit and they, they just don't care. Um, I don't put any stock in anything. Uh, those, those, those videos. I mean, if you listen to audio of that, uh, was it the Fravor one off the coast of San Diego? It, it sounds like Bill and Ted, like you hear the audio pilots. They sound like Bill and Ted, like, dude, look at that. Look at that. It's, it's going so fast, dude. And if you watch, like a lot of sort of like pilot sort of uh, cam sort of stuff and what they're doing with the pilot drones. They don't talk like that at all. So that was my first red flag. Um, plus there was a good uh, video. There's a YouTube channel called the Corridor Crew. 
and they do uh, they do like a lot of special effects breakdowns and stuff. And they sort of went through some of these um, these videos, and they're kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really have to be moving that fast because it's being photographed from a plane that's moving that fast, and you sort of have a parallax effect where something looks like it's zooming by. Um, but basically, I, why now? Why? Like, I, I think if, if there's something out there, we've known about it for a long time. So why now? And why amidst all this other sort of chaos in the political realm is kind of what I think. And, you know, a lot of speculated, a lot of people speculated that um, if, if shit gets out of hand, if the, uh, the powers that be cannot control the population like they had, it's sort of like a ace in the sleeve sort of aliens alien. are coming to get us. We gotta, we, we gotta save you guys. We need everybody to get in line, get on the same page because our, our, our um, existence is at stake here. So I think, I think there's a bit of that, like a long-term sort of game going on, but it's kind of funny how nobody just gives a shit about it. <laughs> yeah. That was the part that really stunned me. I was like, are, because if this is legit, we're like we're looking at disclosure. Like this is them saying it was like a, you should be like a, be like a Michael Bay movie where everybody's in the in the St. Peter's Square watching giant monitors and like oh my god this is it. But uh, no, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess maybe people. But I just love aliens. Man. I love aliens. I didn't give, I didn't give a shit about it. <laughs> like what is this? And there's so many better, I'd say better looking UFO videos online. Like but, what? Uh, what would you point to? Like if people, if people oh, said, well, hey, I, right. what I love, you can see it. I do it in the show it in the book. The movie is the lunar transits where the, any amateurs um, put like sort of a high powered telescope or lens up to the moon, and you can catch weird things that don't look like satellites, uh, don't look like normal aircraft, like thrusters, all this stuff. I think that's a easily accessible way, and there's tons of videos of that. Uh, there's a great YouTube channel called Secure Team Ten where I got a lot of that, uh, that YouTube stuff. And he, and the guy, I think his name is Tyler. He's been going on for like six, seven years. And that's it. It's like every week, new, new shit. And then I've seen hundreds of stuff. And I don't think, I really don't, you know, it could be sort of a more logical phenomenon, but I don't, I don't think much of it's fake. I don't think there's armies of people out there faking these, these videos and for nothing, like well, you don't get fake for YouTube views. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But you know, I, you know, I work in entertainment, and I'm uh, fairly um, familiar with like bad acting, bad student film acting, and sort of special effects. And a lot of stuff, if it's fake, you could tell there's an overreaction to it. You know, like oh, okay, like the way it's like, oh my god, look at that! Look. There's like a fake fakeness to it, as far as the people on the ground filming it. And also, it's really hard to do do VFX that look 100. You could do stuff that looks really cool pretty easily. But even in big budget movies, it's still it's not going to pass off as as real. And a lot of these videos do have that sort of authentic. I don't know. It's a feel. I mean, I can't really prove it's real, but I'm like, uh, I feel like that one's. I'm, if it was a craps table, I'd put my bet if it, on it being real. Hmm. Whatever it is, whatever it is. For me, one of the most interesting things um, is the the Battle of Los Angeles. That's like, like wow yeah. for me. Yeah, no, that's that's um. That's a thing, and people will say, like um, the boomers will say, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they they fired all those shots up there, and there, there must have been nothing, nothing up there. But then, you know, they fired fourteen hundred rounds, and they tracked it all the way from like Malibu down to Long Beach, and the thing was supposedly moving like like twenty miles an hour the whole time. I mean, I don't know what it is. There's a lot of 
weird speculation that the uh, Germany was was fucking around with a lot of this UFO stuff. So I'm not saying for sure it's it's aliens, but you know, people died in that thing. Like those uh, the the artillery shells landed in the neighborhoods and stuff. And I think like there were heart attacks. It was it was I mean it, it's an event that nobody could deny. And it's just kind of odd that uh, we're being told it's eh, nothing. We just got we just got freaked out for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, to be fair, like, war panic is definitely a thing. But it yeah. seems like there's way too much, like, suggestion that something happened for it to be nothing. I mean, I could understand you see a weird cloud and you fire up a few shots or something. But the thing was 1,400 rounds. That's a lot of rounds. Guy. Yeah, yeah. And there's an iconic image of it that's in the movie. That's I swear you could see something there. Like, um, and, um, the, like, the immediate immediate reporting of it is kind of interesting, kind of like a, any kind of events. You almost get the truth in the immediate aftermath, then the lies sort of come in. So in the immediate aftermath, they were reporting that something was was there and they, they saw something. And then, then it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, the the that's what happened with, with Roswell as well. Whatever you, whatever people think of that, the, 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 yes. the, that day, the newspaper reporter was like, crashed UFO vehicle. And the next day it was like, well, it was actually a weather balloon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you'd think the military who were assessing the situation and giving the statement might know the difference, but you know. <laughs> well, they wouldn't lie to you, would they? Of course, they, they wouldn't lie to you. No, they want you to know what's going on. Exactly. They want you to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the you so you open the film um, with with a bit of a discussion about Graham Hancock and about like his idea of an ancient civilization. So I'm actually, uh, I've been sort of dipping in and out of fingerprints of the gods because it's very long and very heavy. Um, fascinating book. Uh, if anyone hasn't read it, I definitely recommend you check out at least Graham's interviews on, on the Joe Rogan experience, but yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. So, so you, you're talking, you sort of look at and say, right, well, you know, our, our conception of history, I think the phrase you used is a goddamn lie. Um, uh, why would, why would there be a a desire to not have people understand human history? Like, say in in this hypothetical that that's that Graham Hancock is totally accurate. Like, why would there be a a desire amongst archaeologists or powerful people to say, no, 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 you know this uh, this is wrong. Like, you know, get out of here. That's that's wrong. Like, where's that coming from? Do you think? Well, it gets a little wacky. Um... I kind of like to start with the, the, the basic evidence that there was something, but if you want to go into why they would cover it up, because I think... Well, I mean, we can start with the evidence, actually. No, 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 let's, let's, go, let's go. It just might be a little drop, bomb to drop, but I think what was there was so advanced, and the powers that be do not want the plebs, the normal people, to sort of access what was so advanced. So we're kind of kept in this little sort of um, Newtonian physics box where... Or we're stuck in this, uh, you know, the material world sort of. And um, and when you go into sort of what these older civilizations were doing, there was a lot of spiritual stuff, hard to say, like little little stip in their toe in the fourth dimension kind of, little advanced technology. Maybe they, did, maybe they didn't need to burn fossil fuels to, uh, to power things. Maybe uh, they had ways of healing themselves that... Um, that would affect sort of industries here. I mean, there's a whole lots of reasons that, that that this would be covered up. And once 
and you know, once the story is kind of set, once the people put the story set, most of the academics just confirm the story that was already there. And they're not, and you know, a lot of, a lot of like scholars and stuff, I don't think they're in on the conspiracy. I just think that they're just truly like proper thinking individuals and they can't let their, their head go in that, that area where everything they've been told is a lie pretty much. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's kind of thing. It's like, how do we know if we're, if we're progressing or if we've fallen? And I'm kind of in the camp that we've, we're, kind of fallen from maybe some something that's happened before Mm. i mean the the part that really um that i find the most intriguing about what graham hancock is saying is this idea that we are not the logical conclusion of the long arc of historical progress essentially that that we could that civilization could be very rapidly derailed and that we might have been in in a situation where we had like quite a lot of technology because you know he he points at things like the the astronaut the astrological alignments of a lot of the sort of ancient sites of the world um and you point mm-hmm. out actually that they're all on that one strip on a, like a, a mega like there's a bunch of megaliths on a, a 60 mile wide strip strip that goes around the earth what do you um, think like that the, is you know what i'm just speculating but i'm gonna say uh ley line have you heard of ley lines mm-hmm. um look at the sort of where the electromagnetic electromagnetic energy escapes from the earth. You, you, there's probably a energy source in these areas. That's, that's just my guess. Uh, some people said it, it was the equator back before a polar shift, but you know, most people don't really like living on the equatorial region, a little too hot for them. Um, but it, it's there regardless of what the reason is. It's um, it's one hell of a coincidence that they all just wound up there by chance. Mm. What do you think that that uh, monolith at the bottom of the, or this random tar at the bottom of the Atlantic is? Like, is that a glitch? People go look this I up. It could be don't. a glitch. It could be a glitch. I mean, I just put that in there because I thought it was kind of interesting. Like a coincidence. It's kind of, you know, if you really can't figure something out, you sort of connect the dots a little. And it's weird that that is right there on that line, but that could totally be a glitch. But who knows? What I, I believe there's some freaky stuff at the bottom of the ocean. So what but if what if it's transmitting to the to the obelisk on the moon of Mars? It'd be, it'd be <laughs> going to write to Phobos and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> who knows, man? There's um if you go on Google Earth, there's actually um sort of in the Pacific Northwest, kind of off the coast of Canada, there is a um, it looks like a two mile long dome that it has eaten away a several hundred mile path through the ocean floor. And you look at this thing, you're like, what the hell is this thing? And it's, it's like you measure it. It's about two miles wide. It just looks like a dome thing. And it's got a trail leading behind it as it's, as it's digging through the sand on the bottom of the ocean. I'm like, what the, what is that shit? Like, <laughs> where's this? I'm going to Google this. Uh, okay. Um, damn it. Um, if you can't remember, don't worry. But- it's off the coast of Canada. It's a little hard to see. I kind of remember. I don't have Google Earth installed here, but um, maybe I could Twitter you to cut the uh, coordinates for it or something. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I think, uh, like I said, that um, Secure Team video did a, did a little thing on it. So if you go to Secure Team, like uh, I'll ch- subscribe to that guy's uh, Secure Team Ten. That guy's got tons of awesome stuff, and I think he covered that one. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the. The next thing that I was curious to talk about was was Antarctica, 
So um, that has been the source of, I don't know how many conspiracies and rumors over the years. Um, it's um, a fascinating landmass and it's basically like uninhabited aside from that like military base there. So what do you think is going on in Antarctica, if anything? Well, it's weird that um, all the sort of um, territorial instincts of these great superpowers kind of got put on hold with Antarctica, where they're not really tr- any. Russia's not trying to conquer it. The U.S. is not trying to conquer it. They're all kind of abiding by this uh, this treaty. And it, it, there's weird things that the you know aircraft can't fly over it. Um, private expedition expeditions can't explore the interior. They have to stay within sort of predetermined boundaries. Is that so, just for safety, though? Yeah, come on, you could go other places. I mean, why, why not be able to just fly a helicopter over there? Why not just uh, some rich guy? Why can't Branson, Richard Branson fly his uh, little rocket plane over there and see what's going on? Um, so the sort of, so what I kind of do is I just sort of like, I'm obsessed with collecting what's out there, the sort of the, the chatter about it. And it seems like this, there could have been some, some structures of this ancient civilization that were it, it probably was many ancient civilizations, but there's probably some things there that, uh, that would sort of throw our whole paradigm into a whack if it was widely known. And you could, you could even go on Google earth and, uh, there's, there's tons of Antarctic anomalies where, um, uh, chunks of metal just sticking out of the snow in the middle of nowhere. There's stuff that's been sort of like hand cut out and a hand blurred where it's not like you could tell somebody just went in there with like sort of a, like a Microsoft paint tool and sort of etched it out. So you can't see in the middle of the stuff. Uh, there's also, I would say a high probability of, of bases, military bases under there, even though technically we're told that's not a militarized continent. Um, there was a, a thing that happened, I think it was 2017 to 2018, where there's a fitness app, Strava. They uh, released a heat map of all their users' activity, where like if you have the, the little uh, armband or whatever, it tracks your, your path. And they, they released a map of everybody's path is carrying this little uh, device. And lo and behold, in, in deserted areas of Antarctica, there's like giant circles drawn out by the paths of people you probably forgot to turn off the GPS on that thing. <laughs> so that's weird because you go you go right there on Google Earth and there's nothing there. But uh, you look on the Strava heat map in the same locations and there's little, there's bases, there's something. Yeah, yeah. I find a couple of Google images or a couple of images on it on, on uh, yeah, this is, I find it really strange. It's like, is is that like a glitch? Is that a weird glitch? Like what? what? What could be the explanation that's not there's some secret bases there? <laughs> well, you know, uh, so Google Earth used to have like a Google Mars thing, mm-hmm. and they actually put a fake Mars base randomly in there. Okay. Like if you zoom into the right area of Mars, it'll be like, a, it's totally fake. But uh, so, you know, maybe some some hoaxers dropping this stuff in. Um, you know, the, the, the big... Um, the big uh, skeptic responses are it's either stitching errors, you know, it's these uh, these landmass, these landscapes are stitched together from several photos, and you know the stitching is not always accurate, so you get some weird distortion that looks like something, or uh, it could just be a good old fashioned pareidolia, where you're looking at something that looks like uh, it's got intelligent design to it, but it's just a uh, 
just just nature. Mm. So those are some of the, the responses to it. But I, I tend to think they're kind of hollow, considering like what you're looking at. Like you, sometimes your eyes don't lie to you, and you kind of I'm looking at a half disc metal disc popping out of a a rock in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica, and it's not doesn't look like a stitching error. Doesn't look like anywhere near a photo stitch. And why is that there? And I don't have the answers. I just, I, I just love the, the mystery that it's there, and I want to know what is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's like that. Um, I believe it's a Buzz Aldrin quote um, when he went on. He was on like uh, some sort of t- uh, television show. I can't remember what. And he was basically look. There's this this obelisk. You know the one I talked about. Yeah, he was on. on he was on C-SPAN. 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 Yeah, yeah. And he was like, when people see that, they're gonna want to go and see it because they're gonna want to know who put that there. And I guess that's the same as Antarctica. It's just like. I just, I want to know what it is. Like, there's that curiosity. It's like, I want, I want someone to go there and figure it out. Like, <laughs> I know. And it, it's, it's frustrating because you know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could just get a plane. I could fly, fly a drone. I could, I could get to the bottom of this, but, but sadly you, you can't. <laughs> it's off limits. What would, what's the maximum range of a drone? And could someone fly it from South Africa over Antarctica? <laughs> Maybe you could get like, well, I don't, I don't even know how close you could get on to Antarctica on a boat before the, you get intercepted. Mm. Would but, they shoot uh, it down? Like, is that, is, it's, it's a- I'm sure that, I'm sure that somebody would shoot that shit down. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard um, uh, people talking about how they were um, interviews where they were just on like a cross country skiing and they went off course and they, they would, they would have special ops like Delta force land on their, their black helicopters and, and, put them at gunpoint and stuff and get them and fly them off, uh, off Antarctica just for going off course. So it's, it's weird. It, there's a lot of suspicious stuff that, uh, that you cannot access this one part of earth. Like you can the North pole per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing actually. Cause like, people, you know, there's no, no one's policing the North pole. So like what's going on yeah. in Antarctica? It's a, yeah. Hmm. Interesting questions. <laughs> Uh, I get like there's uh, I can't I can't remember if it was actually your film or something else I watched that said they believed that uh, disclosure would begin with Antarctica like that's where all the all the secrets lie. I think I think it was I I mentioned that in my film and when I was finding a lot about when there's a lot of stuff about Antarctica in like 2015 2016 um, there's a gentleman named Cliff High I think people should check out and he does like a he runs these web bots that scroll the internet for emotional language and stuff. And he was talking about how Antarctica was just popping up everywhere, like in, in weird ways and stuff. And his, his sort of thing is that it's sort of, um, it's, it, it was the card. It was the, the ace up the sleeve for whatever this, uh, the powers that be are that, um, that it's a sort of a soft way of disclosure of some of these secrets where look, look what we found in Antarctica. It's not, not anywhere close we found some stuff and it'd probably be like a very whitewashed sort of um like boring discovery or something i mean wow i'm just i just think it might be like uh the way in like it's it's an easy way in if if, if this stuff's going to be disclosed as far as this past civilizations all that um you can say oh look we found some stuff in antarctica yeah, yeah I mean, you can't see it, you can't look at it for yourself, but uh, just trust us. So one of the things that uh, is very consistently there in in any discussions about um, ancient civilizations and and things like that is 
this idea that they they took a lot of, lot of psychedelics, especially uh, DMT, ayahuasca, this sort of thing. Like, do you think we're missing something as 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 humans in the twenty first century to not be using these substances, or are they destabilizing? No, well, they can be. They can be destabilizing, but um, I th- I think. Um it's a part of the existence. Like, um, so I, this is my personal belief that I think we're in a, like a multi-dimensional sort of fractal universe. Some people say it's a simulation. I think it's like a giant fractal. Where we're only seeing one part, part of it. And what these things might, these, uh, these drugs, what you call, whatever you call them, medicines, they might, uh, tune your brain into sort of seeing outside what, what you're allowed to sort of normally see. And so, and that's uh, Graham Hancock's sort of uh, view too. He's sort of, um, he has a great analogy where it's like, a, it's like a lens where you're like, if something's at like this, the whole other dimension sort of out of focus for you. And what this, what these drugs do is, is like a lens, like a telescope lens where it just, it brings it into focus where it's always there, but now you can see it when you couldn't see it before. And when you kind of go into sort of the, the third eye chakra and the pineal gland, and uh, what, and that's where DMT comes from. And it's uh, the third eye is sort of the window into the next world. It, it all kind of comes together in an interesting way where, where you, where like DMT is, is the way that you experience these, these weird, these weird worlds. And when you listen to interviews of people who took in this journey, they're all remarkably consistent of what they experience and what they see. It doesn't seem like it's all individual to the psychology. It seems like they're experiencing something shared and uh, there's tons of uh like if you down lsd there's tons of like people saying i was thinking i was thinking this thought and i was thinking the same thought too at the same time kind of thing it's like a weird connection thing going on when you're on these substances and i think it's just it's just opening your the powers of your brain to something that they're not normally accustomed to to experiencing Hmm. how real do you think the realm is that people enter when they take things like DMT and ayahuasca, because I've seen, I've seen people saying, you know, this is, this is like a, this is another dimension. This is the world, but we can't see it when we're, when we're like, yeah, sober. Um, and I've seen, I've seen like suggestions that there are scientists trying to map this realm somehow i i don't i don't I, I barely understand the concept of it and and i haven't done dmt yet in my life so i can't say that i i i can really grasp it but like how real do you think that that place is is it is it like a concept is it like a different dimension like what are we looking at obviously you don't know but <laughs> i think i think it's a person i think it's another dimension and stuff i think um every, everything's energy and we're sort of in an energy strata kind of where um where things, every, all the matter sort of vibrates at a certain range of stuff. And I think there's ranges of uh, vibration that are below and above where we're at. So you could kind of go in these like a uh, sort of like musical octaves, like uh, everything that we see is sort of like in one octave range, then you got the next octave range up. And if you kind of like go into like Hinduism and a lot of the religious stuff where you're a soul and it, there's a lot of people connecting that there, that you're, that you, your essence, your consciousness actually is a being in this higher dimension, that you were actually in this dimension and you're just coming down into the third dimension, inhabiting your body. And when you die, when you do a lot of psychedelics, you're just kind of 
going back up into that area where your your conscious, your spirit body or whatever you want to call it actually exists and live. And you're in this sort of 3D body for some reason. Mm, it's like a a capsule for the soul until we, something like that. Yeah. Like a, yeah, it's like a meat prison for the soul or something. <laughs> oh, don't make it sound so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> We're here for a reason, so <laughs> We're here for something, at least. Yeah. I don't believe yeah. it's totally random, but you know, maybe we create the the meaning that it's meant for. You know, maybe that's just us. Maybe it's just like a play world for consciousness. Um Yeah, I I hope it's not so other entities could feed off us. That that'd be a bummer. Mm. Like, like uh demonic things that just feed off our emotional energy kind of or our soul energy, which is kind of a whole little rabbit hole to go down to. But if that's the truth, that's kind of a kind of a big bummer. Yeah. I mean this is how a friend of mine basically so I've never I've never said I don't think God exists. I've never said that like you know there is no God. But I was never a fan of especially organized religion. I've watched them be hypocrites and um okay. and I just I'm not a fan. Uh but I'd ne- he he was constantly trying to convince me about about yeah, like taking a serious look at Christianity and and that there was a god and and it wasn't until he really started to break break it down in in terms of like well look what if these things that people are encountering in the DMT realm are angels and demons and the spirits that that you know people talk about in religion if the, these are like the the these are the these are the things that people are discussing when they say demons or angels have like come to them and and all of a sudden I was like hang on so you're saying that that God is like the consciousness that created the universe in a way, but yeah, yeah, it was it, it. It basically opened me up to this idea that that maybe you know all these ancient religions aren't so wacky. Well, there's a there's a consistency among these different religions that uh, that runs as far as um, like certain types of gods. There's like a Jesus figure in a lot of uh, religions, like. Buddha, Krishna, um, they all have very like strong parallels. I think uh, Oris in the Egyptian religion uh, or the Egyptian culture, it's, it's all, they're all very similar in a certain, certain aspect. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And um, what got me, like, I wasn't really religious too uh, for, for a long time. I wouldn't maybe consider myself an atheist. I always help the possibility that there's something there that we don't understand. Uh, but really what got me back, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like Christian, like a, like a hardcore Christian or anything, but what got me into it was learning about the occult and how sort of all these people believe the other side of this, like the sort of, uh, the sort of dark Luciferian side and how, how important, how much importance they place on it. And I'm like, well, if these people are really into this. There might, there may be, there's something, there's something there and they're all kind of saying the same thing. It's all summoning up these entities that sort of help them in certain ways, kind of. Um, so that was kind of my path in looking at the, the all the people that believe the other side. And I'm like, all right, there, there, there might be something here with this. Mm. I mean, the, so what do you think of the global consciousness project? Cause I mean, you, you kind of touched on that towards the end, but it probably deserves 
like a what is that? No, did, did I? Maybe some somebody else. Maybe not. Maybe it was someone else. I'm trying. I'm looking at my notes here from your book. But so the global consciousness project is absolutely freaking mind blowing, and you will love it. Um, uh, if anyone uh, wants to check it out, uh, you can look at uh, Joe Scott's video about it. Uh, okay. So basically, it's this uh, this student had gone in um, and tried to prove or tried to look at like could you find patterns in random number generators so they put them all around the world and they started to track like how much randomness there was or how much correlation there was and like mapped it to like big world events and they find that the most monstrous spike um in yeah in in history as far as i'm aware in this since they started measuring it was about it started about three hours before the first plane hit the towers on 9 11. like it started before that and then like just goes like miles into the air just like weird correlation in random number generators and the implication was basically that like there's there's some thing that connects humans that's act that that sort of gets yeah, that trauma brings out some sort of connection, um, basically, that it, like, spikes or affects whatever this field is that connects everyone. It's, it's a very woo-woo kind of, like, no one has yeah. any idea what to make of it topic. It's kind of like a collective consciousness. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Rupert Sheldrake and his sort of, uh, he calls it morphic resonance. And uh, he's done, like, a lot of experiments on it where um, sort of uh, with animals, you'd see this in animals where the um, there'll be... Um, Sort of a population of birds in a certain popu in a certain area that they'll learn a behavior and all of a sudden birds that are don't interact in other populations will start doing that behavior as well a very specific behavior um, i think there was like an experiment uh it was like from uk and australia where uh, they would have these test groups um look at an image and i think there was like hidden images with embedded with this image and you were supposed to figure it out, and people and um, and but at first both test scripts in Australia and England were doing terrible. But um, once somebody got it, people across the uh, the the world were were getting it at the same time, kind of stuff. Really? Yes. That's wild. I mean, that's like those uh, double slit experiment sort of expansion ex um, things where they. They got people to do a test and then they showed half of the, the the group of people the answers after the test and they did better on the test <laughs> so which is crazy and my, my friend and i when we were in uni we we uh we joked that it meant that we should do all our studying after the exam is done yeah yeah <laughs> which was uh yeah a fun one but the to go back to the the occult stuff that you were talking about um so in the film, you brought up uh, Lady Gaga as one of the the examples um, of the, of this sort of thing amongst uh, people in Hollywood and in the the sort of more mm -hmm. elite circles of the world. And so you you cite the the example where she was like, there was there was like a a, a bath full of blood basically left behind um, after she yeah. stayed at some hotel, and there's like um, pictures of her like doing some sort of like spirit cooking when there's a spirit guy cooking or eating feces and urine yeah and then there was the that lane the top of it yeah yeah and then there was that big mocha ga uh, gala um that had yeah. like it was like a hundred grand a ticket and there was it was like a fake cannibals feast it was, and, it was a kid's fake sacrifice mm, yeah, yeah. And they, they like they stab the they like sacrificed the the red velvet cake which i thought was just a beautiful touch to be quite honest that's hilarious yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 
my 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 real question is like is do they actually do you think they believe in like lucifer or are they like luciferians or are is it just i don't know you know how the rock and roll is sort of like yeah listen, associated it's, it's, with occult stuff and like is, there, is it just them uh, like playing up this idea that's what I thought too. I thought it'd be edgy. It's kind of a way to be edgy and piss off yeah, people's parents and stuff. Mm. Uh, but when you look into it, even uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, they're they were like hardcore into sort of channeling and Aleister Crowley and stuff. Jimmy Page even bought Aleister Crowley's house up, up in uh, I think Scotland, the Bliskin House, where because the the house is in a specific way where it never during a certain time of year the sun never hits it. So supposedly it's like good for rituals or something. So like. Page actually bought the dude's house, like he, and he dedicates albums to him. And he, this whole this whole idea that like um, I touch on the video that you're summoning your power from an outside source. Like you know, you see these rock stars that get up on stage and they just sort of go into this mode where they're sort of channeling all these people's emotions toward them, and there's a sort of like on point kind of. And I th I do believe that maybe some of these people, whether it's true or not. Sort of like you know how athletes pray to God. I think these these um, high level people will pray to to whatever entity to give them the the, the power to to be sort of a superhuman in a, in a kind of way. Mm. So like they might it might just be yeah some sort of they they just like doing it because they're like well you know this is uh this might be something that gives me power and like I don't know I I I'm I, I guess I'm not a hundred percent on how much of it's like tongue in cheek you know yes um there's, and there's only so much i could put in the movie about that but i like i've listened to so many like survivor interviews of people that lived in these sort of families and there seems to be like a real belief that this is this is real and i'm sort of operating that at a certain point and you know there's a lot of people that are just like want to do it to look cool or be edgy or something and that they're not really taking it literally but there's a faction that that this is the this is uh basically the word of God right here for, for what, the, what they're into. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was that clip you had in the film. It was like where Lady Gaga's like, I swear to Lucifer. And I cracked up and I was like, that could be a joke, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, um, coincidences, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, then the, the, yeah, there was the, the, you're citing a lot of the talk about like satanic cults at MTV. And then um, there was the, 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 you know, the triangle sign, um, which like really, I've never known what to make of that. You know, well, it's the eye, it's the uh, the all the all seen eye. That you got to every everything's got to feed the eye is kind of the the day. So, they, so their job is to sort of bring power to this this top structure, kind of, and they're showing their allegiance to it. I mean, you seen I saw Macron do that a couple of weeks ago. Really, that's that weird, had, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? I guess like the the thing that I'm always I'm like I want to remain skeptical and you know not believe that the the people the most powerful people in the world are all Luciferians. It'd be nice to not believe. Yeah, if that works. Yeah, but yeah, at what point do the coincidences stack up to the point where you're like maybe there's something going on here? Like that. That was that's my kind of thing and my kind of reason for making the movie. I'm like there's there's a lot of coincidence here and and for me the movie was almost like a me building the puzzle myself sort of just trying to figure out what's what's there what can i what can you hang your hat on what's sort of speculation that no evidence but does fit you know so yeah 
So it's, it's, it's coincidences. It's a lot of coincidences. Mm. Well, people, if people, um, the people who are listening and watching this later, uh, let us know if you think they're all Luciferians. That would be fun in the comments section. Uh, that would be, yeah, that should be a good read, I'm sure. But one of the, one of the, the bits of evidence that you, um, you kind of use in the, in the movie is the, that Dutch whistleblower who talks yeah. about how, you know, the, when you get to a certain level, they're all Luciferians. And then he sort of, he gets real emotional when he starts talking about when he left these circles of people. Cause it was, yeah. I think it was a uh, child sacrifice was when he was just like, nope, I'm out. And I was like, I, w- I was just like, this guy seems way too emotionally disturbed to be, to be making this up. That's, that's kind of my thing. And I, you know, my brother, I, I kind of fight with that younger brother that I sort of fight with about these topics. He doesn't believe any of it. And I said, watch that video, watch that video. And he's like, no, no, the guy's acting. He's, he's full of shit. I'm like, all right. I mean, he somebody can be, look at that. But... He could be, but like, that's some, that's some good, that's some Daniel Day Lewis acting right there, man. If that's, if that's, if he's just lying and, and he's a, he's a real person. He's like uh, the Dutch press has written articles about him, not even mentioning that interview, but as his, but re- referring to his, uh, his uh, position as a banker and stuff, he formed his own sort of bank. So he's, he's not just some like guy out of the casting real. He's, he's a, a, a legit dude in some ways. Mm. And he's telling us it's, it, the, the interview is uh, Ronald Bernard. Uh, he's a sort of a Dutch whistleblower. And I think any, anybody uh, is listening to this, should go watch that whole thing. It's sort of, after your it, film, obviously. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but it does. He does a great job. It's a long interview, and he kind of just lays out the sort of the philosophy of, of it all. And in and honestly, I, there was so much more of his interview I wanted to include, but um, but yeah, everybody should just check that one out. Mm. So uh, the last kind of thing uh, I want to I want to talk about before you uh, have to go is essentially. The second half of the film, like after after being completely off the wall, take, take a hard laugh after. Yeah, yeah. Like after after the start, and I I I cracked up laughing because it was like halfway through the film. For anyone that hasn't hasn't watched it, yes. and it's been pretty out, out there to begin with, and then the hard left turn. Yeah, then you're just like, well, okay, so now we're gonna go for the real crazy, and I was like, oh boy, okay, here we go. <laughs> so you you point to these like six whistleblowers, and you kind of like yeah. draw some like the you're trying to draw the similarities between the different whistleblowers or the yes. apparent whistleblowers yeah. like it could be completely insane but uh, be, yes. like people some like, of them check out some of them have backgrounds that, that sort of check out as far as what they're where they worked and who they are yeah but other so people, there was it's uh, like uh, I, I did i did a quick i did some some digging just to see if uh, these people were complete bullshit and you know there was nothing really there's a few whistleblowers that were in contention that i'm like now there's these i'm not i'm not Telling this dude's story, <laughs> but, um, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I, I listen like for me. These interviews are super entertaining. That they, that they, and it's not just the ones I feature in the movie. There's, there's hundreds other people who've claimed similar things. And why I wanted to do that part is because you're all you're all being told the same story by all these different people in different ways. Mm. And I just I never really saw anywhere where that story was kind of flushed out in sort of a in a way that makes sense. And I so I just took took six of them that I thought uh, would be good representation. And I sort of use where their, their accounts overlap to tell this, this bonkers story of uh, 
military space fleets and Mars and extra dimensions and all, all this shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you give like a brief thesis of that for people? I mean, because I, I, I could, but I feel like you'll do a better job okay. given that it's your film. Um, well, basically, but we have a, uh, a sort of secret breakaway civilization government that's, uh, that has uh, space technology that are in contact with aliens, I guess, and interdimensionals and all that. And um, we've been on the moon. Uh, we have a base on the moon. We have bases on Mars, apparently. And um, a lot of them uh, sort of are into the reptilian conspiracy which is kind of kind of a crazy one for me but you know they were all all of them talked about the reptilians in great detail which i had to put in there <laughs> yeah. which I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's true or not but i'm just saying it's interesting that they're all drawn to that and you know if they're just some crazy mental patients you think they would just have their own idea of what's going on and it wouldn't sort of overlap with people they don't necessarily know but but yeah, no, it's, 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 I admit it's, it's crazy. And I wanted to do it because it was crazy. Um, and you know, let's go for the ride. Like I'm not telling, like I, I'm pretty, I was pretty adamant in the narration that you don't got to believe this shit, just hear it out. And I think even with that, there's some sort of hard truths that, that come out of that as, as uh, especially as far as what human potential, uh, when they get into sort of the extra dimensional aspect of it, I think there's things about human potential and how we're sort of being, cut short of our potential that i think is actually pretty accurate mm. that they that they go into yeah 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 i mean the reptilians is always fun that's like david ike territory um yeah. <laughs> who has made a remarkable comeback actually of late he seems to be uh more popular. he's on fire yeah. yeah more popular than ever um as is alex jones actually to be fair to him um nice. just uh there's a great meme it's like my favorite my, one of my favorite memes of, of late is like you can't just become more popular by being banned and then it's the the big crab dude from <laughs> from uh, spongebob being like observe like yeah. it's like alex jones like gets kicked off youtube and is like is still the king of youtube like any any uh any video that he is in it just seems to like blow up like whether he's on tim pool or Michael yeah. Malice or uh, any of those things. There was an epic pod podcast last night with Tim Pool, Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, and Michael Malice. Yeah, Blair White and yeah. uh, the guy who was the the journalist who was uh, had some of the footage of the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So yeah, yeah I'm nice. I'm like halfway through it, man. It's an absolute ride. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely recommend it to anyone who who enjoys that kind of stuff. But one of my favorite uh, Alex Jones memes. I you know I don't know if people think of him Israeli agent or not, but. Um, there's one where he's on the is his first Joe Rogan. It's a, it's in intercut with his Joe Rogan appearance versus Elon Musk, and his and it's basically like a couple three minutes of uh, of Alex Jones saying something crazy, then then cut to Elon Musk. He's like basically saying the same thing about that sort of emerging with how AI is going to take over and then you got to merge the machines and stuff. But it was kind of it's kind of here fun to hear Alex say that and like in his in his bombasticness than understated elon musk sort of yeah well we're kind of simulation we got to merge with <laughs> yeah yeah i mean alex jones is incredibly fun to listen to and anyone who's like oh i can't believe you listen to oh, alex jones yeah, is he, like, he got the... me, yeah he got me early on he, like um his uh his movies uh, about 10 years ago really sort of 
like I didn't believe him when I first saw him, but they sort of stuck in my head. Mm. What was and end, after end game, the road to global terror? End game, uh, terror storm, uh, the Bohemian Grove thing was pretty fascinating. I mean, at a certain point, I'm like, oh, the shit's there's some there's there's a there there to all that. It's, he's not just making it up, at pulling it out his ass. Yeah. Do you think he's controlled was, opposition? Ooh, that's tough to say, man. He 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 took some dumps on some key key moments where I was kind of disappointed on him. Um, well, the big Such thing as. is that, uh, well, the whole, uh, the, I don't know, we're on YouTube, right? Yeah. I don't want to get, get you any trouble with YouTube, but the That's whole, fair. uh, <laughs> P, uh, P gate thing, the thing, mm. uh, about the Podesta emails and, uh, like he, he apologized to one of the guys implicated. He's like, I'm sorry. Uh, and all that. And, um, there's a, and there's a few things like, I, I don't want to talk about on YouTube where he, where I think he was in the right track, but then he sort of did it about face and say, like, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you saying you're wrong? You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, yeah. He's, he's a human also, like all of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's also the Israel. There's a lot of things that uh, people say he doesn't criticize Israel and stuff. And they think he's like sort of um, like controlled opposition for, from Assad and stuff. Um, you know, I keep that in consideration, but um, the dude is entertaining and I'll still, I'll still watch him from time to time. Yeah, I mean, when he talks about Joe Biden crapping his pants or Michelle Obama's penis and stuff, it's 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 gold, man. You you, you don't get any better than that. <laughs> no, no, you really don't. It's amazing. Like my favorite moment ever was the like the the second podcast he did with Joe Rogan. Let me fanboy here about him for a second. Yeah. Was I think the greatest piece of content that was ever created on the internet. Like that is the the greatest piece of, of video that will ever exist it's four and a half hours of brilliance and there's like a bit like three and a half hours into it and he's absolutely like off his tits at this point and he's like oh, is he drunk was he drinking on that yeah he's drinking and smoking and he's like okay so god god is like this big thing and it's like a comet and so you got good at the front and evil chasing it. it's like and he's trying to like conceptualize consciousness and the universe as a comet flying through like i don't know interdimensional space and i was like man this is incredible like Listen, man, with all this craziness, I, I, I could kind of decipher what he's saying, and he, he's, he is on to something. Because hmm. like he, he, he talks about sort of the how the elite want the transcendence, and the, they want to sort of, and how there's, he talks about how these entities want to like use us as a, as a, pad, a jumping off pad into the next dimension kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of is in line with a lot of the stuff in the, in the movie kind of yeah yeah i mean the the breakaway government part is the the thing is why i first heard from him when he was talking about the yeah nasa's secret breakaway government or the and i think he believes there's two breakaway governments there's like there nasa there and be. there's like the intelligence agencies there's a nazi there's a nazi one mm. it's an operation paperclip version of of the breakaway government um yeah and I, i'm not sure what the other one is yeah um, Operation Paperclip, for anyone who doesn't know, is, is when all the Nazi scientists were brought over yeah. um, into the U.S. government. Because um, to be fair, they've been doing experiments that no one else had. Um, so I kind of understand why. There's a there's logical reason for it, too. And, you know, like, they say it's the Cold War, so you don't want these people to get snapped up by the Soviets. And, you know, but, you know, it was kind of like when you look into it, it seemed like it was the Nazification of the U.S. government, really. Like you had all these people in key positions and stuff. And. Like it wasn't just a few physicists; it was a lot of lot of people over, and not really with the U.S.'s best interest in mind. 
and uh, continuing a lot of stuff that they were doing in Germany that was kind of the experiments and stuff. The MK Ultra stuff seems uh, supposedly came out of that. Because mm, so. yeah, the Nazis were experimenting with a lot of stuff um, on... In in a, they were basically performing a lot of the kinds of experiments that the the, the U.S. government went on to do in MK Ultra in like yeah, they did, the U.S. just picked up where they uh, where they left off pretty much. Yeah, like I, I said, the the Nazis didn't lose World War II; they just switched sides. It's kind of my my opinion. The Germany lost the people, the citizens of Germany lost hard, but the a lot of Nazis sort of just sort of switched their allegiance. I think a lot of it had to do with the uh, National Security Act of 1947 um truman but uh yeah all these they were they were funneled through all throughout the um not just the government but the, the aerospace industries and stuff yeah. and a lot of them were working on these black projects yeah so last question before we finish up Ooh, many things i want to ask uh we do a part two i'm just sorry i'm at uh on my lunch break i work <laughs> no that's all right don't worry man uh, it was fun, fun to be able to chat um so are there bases under the earth because that's that's one of the things you talk about in the film so the, the and, and something that's long intrigued me that they there's there's like hollow bits under the earth's crust or there's secret military installations like how much of that do you think is is real like how are there bases underground like it, it would make you know i gotta feel like there's gotta gotta be some at least like uh since nuclear weapons came on the stage um you know, the, there was a whole thing, I think it was like 20, 30 years ago, where they blew, the uh, journalist blew the lid off a, uh, a giant bunker that was uh, that was in Virginia that was attached to a country club. And it was um, it was a whole continuity of government. It was where uh, the con- it had a, a, a Congress. It, it meant uh, it was, a, it was uh, designed to fit all of the members of Congress and stuff underground in case of a, and it was, it was kept secret for, for decades until this uh, journalist blew the whistle and they had to close the base, but that's just a small example. Uh, but listen, the, the, the need for the bases, I think it would be there because it, it makes a lot more sense to move a lot of stuff underground uh, away from uh, prying eyes and stuff. Um, and like, like when you go into the whistleblower section, uh, one of the guys that uh, Phil Schneider, uh, he, his, his thing was that he was a structural engineer and he was building these things with, um, uh, and you know, you could do his background. His dad was a was a naval submarine captain, and um, this dude had a very high IQ, and he was was an engineer. And this is what he said he was doing: is to build all these these underground bases. And it makes it makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, like I was going to say, like nuclear weapons sort of demand that they have some some deep underground bases in which to flee to. Um, I mean, I've heard crazy things like there's like railroads that connect all the ones across the country. There's like a submarine tunnel that uh, you could go off the under the Monterey Bay in California and wind up in Nevada. I don't know if I believe all that stuff, but uh, (laughs) I believe there's something. There's got to be some kind of substantial base that that we don't even know about. Mm, They're all tunnels connected to Denver Airport. Yeah, well, that's a weird one. I mean, yeah, if there's a a base somewhere, I would uh, suspect... It'd be there. I've, I've heard the British monarchs own a bunch of land out, out by there too. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the thing that gets me about Denver Airport was those weird murals that I think are the gone. Now. The 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 statue out front. And... The, the, the horse, the the horse statue that yeah. uh, that it fell on the artist and crushed him to death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that and the fences facing in. 
that's the weird part for me. Like the these uh these fences that that have like a a tip to go to like prevent so people can't get over them. Yeah, but instead like of facing, like a, like a prison? yeah, instead of facing out like they would if they were trying to keep people from getting into the airport, they're facing inwards to suggest that people are being stopped from getting out, which is yeah, could be um yeah that that was the thing that stood out for me. I mean, that could actually be be rubbish. Well, I, I like, remember uh, it quite I remember, I remember I remember Alex Jones saying that the um. In the LAX, it's got a sort of makeshift prison camp ready to go in it in case they have to detain large amounts of people, but like a big open air prison with barbed wire and everything ready to go. Mm. So, you know, these airports could have a double sort of purpose in case of a extreme events, you know, you, you hurt people in there and they can't get out. Um, but, you know, the, the word that airport was, a lot of people sort of uh, did Denver airport. They're like, why is it all the way out there and no, no, next to far away from the city? It was like billions of dollars over budget and kind of stuff. Um, just a lot of weirdness with that that would sort of lend you to thinking that that's probably a place where a base is yeah well yeah. anyway i i would love to sit here and talk about wild conspiracy theories yeah, all day um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to speculate uh but I, i'm aware you have to get back man and it's getting a bit late here for me um, yeah, no problem. so yeah james thanks very much it's it's been a pleasure a lot of fun um yeah, and i really enjoyed your film man it was it was it was really entertaining i appreciate that thank you but yeah, so everyone, uh, links are in the description for uh, Twitter and James's film. Check them out if you're interested. Yeah, use, use the links because uh, it's hard to search for on Google. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find it. My friend recommended it to me and was like, you have to watch this film. And I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, listen, I even I copied the YouTube title, put it in a Google search engine with quotes around it. So it's supposed to only look at what's inside the quotes and it still didn't show up in Google. So there's some, so follow the links. <laughs> It's on. It's on uh, all tech two, BitChute, um, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble. Oh, it's on Odyssey. Well, I'll find that and put that link on instead. Then. No, see, I can't search it. I can't search it for it on Odyssey too. Oh, really? like you, yeah. They're in on. They're in on it. They're in on it too. Damn it! I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to fucking call Jeremy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was on my show. A real nice guy. The the yeah, CEO. there, but the, you got the Twitter link. As long as I'm on Twitter, you can find it. Yeah, but anyway, man, thanks very much. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. All right, and hopefully talk to you again, man. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by the Growth Manifesto podcast, Australia's leading business, marketing, tech, and entrepreneurship podcast. The Growth Manifesto podcast is a Zoom web series brought to you by Web Profits, a digital growth consultancy that helps global and national businesses attract, acquire, and retain customers through digital marketing. One of the most interesting episodes for me of late has been an interview with Michael Sonnenschein, CEO at Grayscale Investments, the world's largest digital asset manager. After launching in 2013, they focused exclusively on digital assets, beginning with Bitcoin. And their goal is to offer the opportunity to invest in the cryptocurrency world without needing to rely on wallets or any of that newfangled technology that goes along with it. This is a crucial discussion to listen to for anyone interested in this space, as crypto will only go parabolic and change the world if it becomes widely adopted. So Grayscale's pursuit of this in the traditional world of finance is going to be crucial to making the step to widespread acceptance and adoption. In this episode, they walk through the history of the firm, why it was founded, and where they envisioned the company and the crypto space going in the future. That's the Growth Manifesto podcast. Australia's leading business, marketing, tech, and entrepreneurship podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the video. 
don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment for us in the comments below. Let me know what you thought and if you'd like to see more of this from the show. Thank you, and we'll see you again next time.